are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Listening to who? The always wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we are talking all about the D-backs takeaways from opening day weekend. We're going to be starting off by talking about the pitching in segment one, the offense in segment number two, and then we're going to wrap up the pod by doing a little preview for the first game against the Colorado Rockies on Tuesday. But first... Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it, and let's start off by talking about the D-backs pitching because, man, oh, man, when is Zach Gallon coming back? This pitching is a concern. We talked about Mass and Bumgarner on Friday, so I don't really want to rehash my Mass and Bumgarner thoughts, but we'll talk about the other three pitchers that we saw this weekend. Uh, the D-backs pitching is just absolutely horrendous. Starters ERA have a 6.35 ERA compared to the relievers with just a 3.38 ERA, and uh, the pitching by the D-backs this weekend outside of Taylor Widener was just not impressive at all. D-backs have the ninth worst ERA in the National League. And the third worst opponent batting average in the National League with the second worst whip. So that's just a dangerous combination uh, all around. And these D-backs pitchers, they're just not good at all when they fall behind in these counts. When they fall behind an account to a batter, they're giving up a 500 average with 1704 OPS. Batters are absolutely crushing these D-backs pitchers when they're ahead in the count. But when pitchers, the D-backs pitchers are ahead in the count, 167 average with 354 OPS. So think of that drop off in OPS. 1704 when the batter's ahead to 354 when the batter's behind in the count. A night and day comparison for these D-backs pitchers. So they just got to get ahead in these counts to really attack the strike zone, which is something they've really struggled to do because you're not getting very many deep starts from this D-backs rotation. Outside of Taylor Widener, of course, Merrill Kelly, he went four innings pitch, three earned, three earned runs, three walks, four strikeouts for a six, seven, five year, right? I feel like Merrill Kelly wasn't like erratic or anything, but he just doesn't have a lot of velocity, which we already knew. He's an older kind of pitcher he's in his third year, about 31, 32 years old. And if he's not locating his pitches, he's going to get hit hard. And that's what happened against the Padres, giving up a lot of hard contact and only able to make it through four innings. Even though I don't feel like he was an erratic pitcher on the mound, I feel like he wasn't all over the strike zone. He just kept missing uh, with his pitches and, you know, kept a, a couple hanging, kept, uh, left a couple in the middle of the strike zone. And so when Merrill Kelly's doing that, he's going to give up a lot of hard contact, which is what he did against the Padres. Uh, he needs to get better at putting away hitters and just 
just really attacking probably the bottom of the strike zone when those pitches start to elevate. That's when it starts to get dangerous for Merrill Kelly because it just is not throwing hard enough to get it by dudes. And it, it's really just teeing off in batting practice against Merrill Kelly. And his changeup curveball and fastball all had an average exit velocity of 94 or better uh, over the weekend. So he was giving up a lot of hard contact to those Padres hitters. But Caleb Smith, on the other hand, he looked absolutely erratic to me. I was tweeting, go follow me on Twitter at Creator Thomas24 at Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram. I was tweeting, you know, in the second inning, I believe I tweeted out. I don't think uh Caleb Smith is making it through three innings today. Uh, I don't think he's going past three innings is what I tweeted. And I was absolutely correct. He was taken out after three innings pitch because I just look that that's what I saw with my eyes when watching. Caleb Smith on the mound. He was just erratic. He seemed all over the place when pitching, especially to right-handed batters. It seemed like he could come inside a little bit and every now and then hit that inside corner. But when he tried to hit that outside corner, it wasn't just missing bad. He was missing like three feet off the plate, it felt like, when he tried to go outside to those right-handed batters. So Caleb Smith all over the strike zone against those Padres batters. And he he was just absolutely erratic. No command, no feel for the game. And when he was ahead in the count, he would go up 1-2 in the count, 0-2 in the count. But the problem was... He has that Robbie Ray disease where he likes to let batters battle back into the count. So he'll go up one, two in the count. And then all of a sudden, you'll look up and be like, how is it a full count? And now why is Caleb Smith walking this guy? Why is he giving up a double? Why is he Why is he giving up a home run? It was not good, Caleb Smith. He only gave up three earned runs, but that's because uh, he, he, threw a, he threw a lot of pitches in, in those innings. He threw a lot of pitches in three innings, three walks, couldn't go deep into the ball game. That's what happened with... Bum Garner, Merrill Kelly, and Caleb Smith. Three straight games where your starters couldn't even make it through, uh, even could, couldn't even complete five innings pitch, which is just which is just not good at all. It just puts extra pressure on your bullpen, which we saw the bullpen. It was solid over the weekend, but it wasn't perfect. We didn't get a lot of shutdown innings. It felt when a lot of dudes came in, they would give up an earned run or they would give up a walk and put themselves into dangerous situations. So. I want to see cleaner outings from these relievers because I felt like I wasn't getting a lot, I felt like I wasn't getting a lot of shutdown innings after these starters came out early. But I did like what I saw from Raleigh Smith. He was able to pitch uh, pretty deep into one of the games where he had to go out there for like four innings, uh, five innings. He had to pitch pretty deep in one of them. Uh, and I've liked what I've seen from Kevin Ginkle: two point one innings pitch, no earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts. I think he's looked pretty good. Yoan Lopez has shown some flashes too with that slider fastball combo. So I like what I've seen from those three. The rest of the bullpen uh, still gives me a little trepidation. I, I still am a believer in Taylor Clark. I think he was a pretty hot option out the bullpen. Chris Davinsky uh, gave up a home run in his one outing, so he didn't look too good. But overall, the bullpen needs to pick it up. I think uh, their numbers aren't awful, but I think I need a little bit more consistency from them. And their starters need to go deeper into these games and throw way more strikes because it's a lot of pitches thrown. It's a lot of hard contact given up and it's a lot of walking these, uh, you know, those Padre batters this weekend. But who knows uh, in this next series if they're going to be doing the same thing. But Taylor Widener right now, ace of the staff, six innings pitch, zero earned runs. So it's a very impressive outing for Taylor Widener. His first career start. Uh, he had three walks, but he just went out there, attacked the Padres hitters, and he just has a great... Uh, 
ability to throw in the mid 90s 95 96 and then switch it up with that change up slider combination and really take it down to the mid 80s so he has a nice uh change of pace when it comes to his pitches where i think really uh kept those padres batters off balance and he just attacked the strike zone all night he wasn't erratic he wasn't all over the place a lot of the padres batters like when they went against a guy like caleb smith they could just wait because they knew half the pitches gonna be thrown to them were gonna be five feet off the plate but not the same for taylor widener he was attacking those Padres batters so I love what I saw from Taylor Widener but so far one good start uh, from those D-backs pitchers Bumgarner Merrill Kelly and a Caleb Smith didn't look too good but tomorrow we got Luke Weaver on the mound who I'll talk about in the third segment of this pod but first I want to talk to you guys about bet online because bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action football might be over but NBA college basketball and the NHL are in full swing Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code LOCKEDON. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Braskowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it. And let's discuss the offense now for the D-backs because this D-backs offense, uh, it it was basically just as bad as the D-backs pitching, you can say, because their offense right now is one of the worst in baseball, one of the worst in the National League. And just across the board, when you look at, you know, the the rankings for team stats, the D-backs are one of the worst in almost every offensive category. Fourth worst batting average in the National League, just batting 217 as a team. They are number one in one category, number one in strikeouts as a team with 43, fourth worst OPS with 642 OPS. But one of the positives about this D-backs is they're actually hitting the ball pretty hard. Seventh best hard hit percentage in all of baseball at 44.2%. So even though they have middling stats when it comes to launch angle and, and barrel percentage, they're hitting the ball hard so you... Maybe hope that can even out a little bit. If they're hitting the ball hard, maybe they're just hitting it directly to these, you know, uh, defensive players. Maybe they're just getting a lot of hard ground balls, a lot of hard lineouts, and hopefully that starts to correct itself. But also, these D backs players were hitting a lot into the shifts, and whenever the Padres shifted against these D backs batters, it seemed to work nearly every time. And so we'll see what the D backs, you know, tried to do as they enter Coors Field in, in a hitter's ballpark, but. What they have to get better at is runners in scoring position. They were 3 for 31 against the Padres with runners in scoring position for a 383 OPS. Just not good enough. Every game couldn't get more than one hit with runners in scoring position. Just absolutely dreadful. And if you just go up and down the D-backs lineup, uh, most guys outside of Quetzal Marte are just doing absolutely horrendous because Quetzal Marte is the offense for the D-backs right now. He is absolutely carrying the Dimebacks offense. A 563 average, a 1674 OPS. He is absolutely crushing it at the plate right now but the rest of the offense for the d-backs 
outside of Ketel Marte. You can say the second best player right now is Carson Kelly, who's platooning, you know, big time with Steven Vogt. Uh, Steven Vogt has played in three games. Carson Kelly has played in three games. So they really have a split timeshare right now. But Carson Kelly is actually having a, a pretty good uh, start to the 2021 season and only eight at bats. Of course, he does have five hits for a 625 average at 1375 OPS. No home runs yet, but one double. So I've liked what I've seen from Carson Kelly so far. He seems confident at the plate. He's making good contact. But the rest of this D-backs lineup, we knew Josh Rojas and spring training was on absolute fire but so far he only has one hit so far to begin the season and 16 at bats eduardo escobar doesn't even have a hit yet on the season zeros across the board uh, has a ops plus of negative 100 he hasn't even garnered a walk yet so the only way uh uh eduardo escobar has been on base is by an error, which he scored a run, thankfully, but five strikeouts and 11 at-bats. The struggles for Eduardo Espar seem to continue, and just the rest of the lineup just really hasn't produced. Uh, David Peralta, 3-for-14 in his plate appearances. Adrubal Cabrera hasn't been too bad, 3-for-12 with a home run, three RBIs. I liked what I've seen from him. Christian Walker, only 2-for-14 after coming off a hot spring training as well, 343 OPS. This D-backs team isn't drawing a lot of walks. They're not getting on base nearly enough if you're not gonna hit at least draw walks which is just something they can't do right now if you look at their players outside of uh Keto Marte and Carson Kelly there's only one player in that D-backs lineup who has an OBP above 300 and that is a Drupal Cabrera or OBP of 308 Tim LaCastro is an OBP of 300 so I guess we could throw him in the mix as well but everyone else a OBP below 300 around 250 220 for some guys 200 for some others Eduardo Espar, of course there at zero so this D-backs offense right now is just stuck in the mud and they need to get out the mud because what we've seen from the pitching right now is the D-backs offense is gonna pick gonna need to pick it up right now with Zach Allen out because the the D-backs pitching is just not going deep into ball games and just a bad combination. The, the same combination, actually, that we saw in 2020, because it's basically the same story. In 2020, the D-backs players or pitchers, I should say, couldn't pitch deep into ball games. They were walking a lot of guys and, and giving up a lot of home runs. And right now, that's been the start to this season. We've seen home runs given up by Merrill Kelly. We've seen home runs uh, given up by Madison Bumgarner. Even a Merrill, uh, even a Caleb Smith has given up a home run. So we've seen four home runs allowed just by the starters of the D-backs. Chris Davinsky has given up a home run as well. So we've seen five home runs allowed so far by this D-backs team. And that's not, you know... Or, you know, that's not like an insane amount of home runs to be given up. But you don't want to see your starters give up four home runs when your players, when your batters, when your offense can't even hit four home runs. Because as a team so far, the offense of the D-backs only has five home runs as well on the season. So pitchers have five home runs allowed. Batters have five home runs uh, scored or swatted out the ballpark. So right now, it's a bad combination of both sides where the offense can't hit, the pitchers can't pitch, and guess what? Those are the two most basic fundamentals of baseball. 
If you have a rotation that can't go deep into ball games, that that can't keep runs off the board, and then you and then you have an offense that can't put runs on the board, guess what? You're not going to win a lot of games. And the saddest part is the D backs are, are are stretching these games out. The average length of the D backs games over the weekend was three hours and twenty four minutes, which is up from last season. So right now the D backs aren't winning games. They're, they're putting us through this mental turmoil, and they're doing it in a longer pace than last season. So at least in 2020, they got through these games quickly when they were putting us through the stress, but they're not doing that so far in 2021. So I'm hoping against this uh, Rockies team in Coors Field, the pitchers haven't been too great, which we're going to talk about here in a second in the third segment. Hopefully the batters can come alive a little bit. Ketel Marte, he seems back to the MVP form. He's been an absolute stud, but he needs to get some help in that lineup because they're just going to start pitching around him. Just start putting him on base because why would you ever uh, pitch to Ketel Marte? It seems like he gets a base hit nearly every time up there because right now uh, Ketel Marte is 9 for 16 in, uh, in at-bats when he's at the plate. 9 for 16 in his uh, at-bats. So it seems like he gets a, a hit basically every time. So why would you ever pitch to Ketel Marte when you know every other player in this D-backs lineup can absolutely not rake at all? I would do the same. Same thing if I was an opposing manager. So hopefully the D-backs batters break out their slump this week at Coors Field. Now, we'll get into that preview at Coors Field against the Rockies. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar because Built Bar is back more improved, and more delicious than ever before. They have 18 amazing flavors, but six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're both soft and easy to chew. Bill Bar is great for the health-conscious guy like me because I try to go to the gym when I can, but I have a sweet tooth, and Bill Bar tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar. That's low in calorie, low in sugar, but high in protein and high in fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, they reset their promo code for this relaunch. You can get a free cooler purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Fantasy Baseball Addicts, you now have a new resource to give you an advantage in your leagues. Locked on Fantasy Baseball. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Follow Locked on Fantasy Baseball on the Odyssey app wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all right, all right. Let's wrap up the pod and discuss the D-backs next series against the Colorado Rockies. And tomorrow we got a fun one. Herman Marquez versus Luke Weaver. And this is going to be Luke Weaver's first start of the 2021 season. And he's got a lot to prove because right now there's big question marks around that Paul Goldschmidt trade. People talk a lot about the Zach Greinke trade and what we think about the return of that investment. I'm still waiting to see what my return on the investment is in the Paul Goldschmidt trade because Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver, as we always said, 
as we always say, look great in 2019. Luke Weaver, sub three ERA. Carson Kelly, 18 home run kind of guy. Got on base about 34% of the time. But in 2020, both of them fell off, you know, a map, uh, fell off a cliff, whatever you want to say. Luke Weaver had an ERA of north of six. Carson Kelly had no power last year, couldn't hit for average, couldn't make good contact. And both of them, both of their con- uh, confidence looked a little shook last season, the 2020 season. And so far, Carson Kelly starting to look like the old guy from 2019. The power hasn't been there just yet. We've seen a double from him, but just the consistent hitting at the plate, the consistent contact has looked pretty good from Carson Kelly. But now it's time to see what Luke Weaver has because Luke Weaver last year, as I always say, didn't have one start where he completed six innings, and that's what we need. Taylor Widener so far, one pitcher in this D-backs rotation that can make it through not just six innings, five innings pitch. So we need that from Luke Weaver because his bullpen is already getting kind of stressed, and it's only been one weekend in baseball. The bullpen had to be out there a lot in that uh, in that Padres series. So hopefully Luke Weaver can help them out and throw some strikes and really attack the strike zone for Luke Weaver. We need to see what that curveball does because it's it's probably the pitch he threw the least amount in 2020, and that's maybe that's because it, it's his least favorite pitch, or maybe it's because it was his least effective pitch because opponents slugged over 700 against that pitch in 2020. It was absolutely getting crushed, and in turn, that made his fastball less effective because opponents were killing that too, not to the same extent, but opponents still had a pretty good batting average against his fastball, and it's because when your curveball and your off-speed pitch isn't working, then it's going to be a lot harder to work that fastball in there, and his changeup was actually good in 2020, surprisingly. It might have been his best pitch in 2020. And I always liked his fastball, but we need that curveball to really have that break, really have that that drop. You know, we always talk about that 12-6 drop uh, with pitchers. So uh, I'm hoping to see a nice vertical drop from that curveball. We'll see what it looks like tomorrow on the mound because that's a big pitch for Luke Weaver. If he can unlock that, then it can really unlock him as a pitcher. And we need him to go deep into that ball game uh, and go deep into the ball game, as I said, to really take the stress off the bullpen. And for the offense, we don't know what kind of Luke Weaver we're going to get. He is going to be in Coors Field, so he's going to be susceptible, susceptible, susceptible to the offense of the Rockies. But so far, the offense of the Rockies hasn't been lighting it up. Their best player, of course, has been uh, Trevor Story, I think I would still say, with a 294 average. Ryan McMahon is batting 400, which is pretty good as well. But I think, you know, of course, Trevor Story is their best overall player. Uh, no one in the Rockies lineup is really killing it right now. As an offense, the Rockies uh, offense has not been, you know, uh, has not been on fire so far. It's probably been middle of the pack so far in the National League to start the season. If you just look at their OPS, they're seventh in OPS in the National League. So right there in the middle with a 698 OPS. So the Rockies offense right now is nothing you really have to be scared about. Charlie Blackman, uh, Trevor Store, I'll be scared of, but not really that, uh, not really the rest of the Rockies lineup. But for the D-backs, this is the perfect opportunity for your offense to come alive. Hermain Marquez, he was really good in 2020, but in his first start of the year against the Dodgers, he gave up six walks. He was walking a lot of dudes. He was kind of all over the place with his command. So if you could get that once again from Hermain Marquez, the D-backs just have to be patient, which they really haven't been too patient at the plate to start the season. So they really have to work on that in this game. Be patient at the plate. Let Hermain Marquez uh, throw his pitches. Not really a strikeout 
out artists. I feel like that's not really what he does. Uh, I feel like he's not really going to be gunning it by you most of the time. So if the D-backs can sit back and wait on the pitches, I, I think that would work out well for him because, look, we the D-backs have been disappointing so far to start the season after coming off a disappointing 2020 season. Tori Lovello is in his last year of a deal with the D-backs, so if we get another bad season from this team, I don't think they're bringing Tori Lovello back, to be honest. I know him and Mike Hazen go way back to their Red Sox days, but it's a business at the end of the day, and Tori Lovello, he started... He started off high coming over to D-backs again them to the playoffs in 2017. But ever since then, the D-backs have been going in the wrong direction. And uh, we we can make excuses from the 2020 season, COVID year, shortened season, just an overall unprecedented weird, weird year. But in 2021, everyone's healthy except for Zach Gallen. But still, you got four other pitchers uh, in the rotation who we expect to be good. Uh, you know, Taylor Widener is kind of a, a guide send right now, but Luke Weaver is the guy we expect to be good. And if he's not good, that, that kind of falls on Toy Lovello just a little bit because he is the one managing him. Maybe it's on more on the pitching coach. Uh, you could divvy up the blame however you want, but you know, at the end of the day, it's going to fall on the manager's shoulders if you got these high potential players not living up to that potential is probably going to fall on the manager's shoulders at the end of the day so toy lavello if he wants to keep his job for the future and continue being a d-backs manager then the d-backs are gonna have to start winning games and it has to start against the colorado rockies a team we consider easily the worst team in the nls every time i talk to uh these nls hosts uh on the lockdown podcast network when we're doing these division crossovers we all agreed the rockies were in dead last in the nls so hopefully they can pick that up hopefully uh the d-backs can get a series win against the rockies because it's probably not going to get much easier for them uh for them here on out this is probably going to be their easiest opponent in the next couple of weeks so uh, a good series win against the Rockies to kind of even up the season a little bit kind of go toward the 500 direction I think it would be a huge boost to this ball club in terms of confidence I'm praying they could get a win against the Colorado Rockies because if you lose this season series then this then if you lose this season series I guess you wouldn't lose the season series but if you lose this series right here then the season could start to feel out of control and it could spiral out of control real quickly now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. As always, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24. Look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram. We'll be back tomorrow with more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!